The meme stocks have a new king, and get ready for a second wave of DeFi summer. I'm Ryan, that's Brian, and these are your investment headlines from the last seven days. Headline number one, NFTs are finally entering the real world. Brian, it's been a while since we've done an NFT headline, so I felt it only fitting to uh, talk about it a little bit because there was some news this week in regards to kind of the evolution of NFTs. And I believe we've talked about in the past how NFTs have been used for uh, virtual real estate. So, for example, there's like these virtual worlds that people can buy, you know, virtual properties and virtual land and virtual buildings and virtual furniture, basically like, you know, 3D virtual reality type stuff. You can buy them as NFTs and then you can sell them and trade them and transfer them, whatever you want. And so that's been big for a while. And, you know, there's even like some, uh, some decentralized applications where like they have taken the whole globe, the whole earth and split it up into like small square plots of land like a hundred feet by hundred feet or something. I don't, I don't remember exactly the size. Uh, and then you can buy that square plot of land. And so for example, you could look on the, the earth and find where your house is and buy the land, the virtual land where your house is. And, or you could buy the land where the famous, you know, the, the pyramids are or the Eiffel tower is or whatever. And so people are buying these, these lands and selling them, and hoping that in the future they become worth something. Is there uh, any utility to them at all? Uh, like you can, so if you, so in some of these applications, you can, you know, uh, uh, bring in other NFTs. So for example, I have uh, bought a, a picture of a pancake as an NFT. <laughs> That's actually your NFT that you made, Brian. That was a lovely That's NFT right. that I bought from you. You tried to sell it to me for $200 and I said, you're crazy. Uh, so I ended up buying it from you for $12. Anyways, that's a whole other story. Um, but I can take that picture of your pancake and put it in, put it on my virtual land. So if anyone were to come and visit me on my virtual plot of land, they could see my pancake. And so I could have like a virtual house NFT on my virtual land. People can come inside my house, see my pancake art, etc. So that would be like the use case of it. But, but, the, but the, the problem is there's many decentralized applications that do this exact same thing in terms of having an earth that you buy plots of land on. And so even though I buy my plot of land on one application, it doesn't mean I own that plot of land on any other application. <laughs> and so I just have to hope that the application that I'm buying it on is going to become the one that everyone else decides to use, I guess. Uh. Anyway, it's, it's all... It, I see it as very speculative real estate. Um, Some people have made a lot of money for investing in early in some of these, but anyway, that's not what I'm here to talk about. Uh, um, uh, um, What I want to talk about is, is how uh, news was made this week because someone, the, um, a guy named Michael Arrington, he's a founder of TechCrunch. Anyways, he, he made news a couple years ago because he was the first person to buy real estate on the blockchain. So in other words, the the deed for the property, he bought an apartment building or an, an apartment. Um, and so the deed for that apartment 
was wrapped up into a smart contract and tied to the blockchain so that as soon as he, I think it was on Ethereum, so as soon as he bought the land, the deed was automatically transferred over to him via smart contract. And so he made he made uh, headlines a couple years ago doing that. Well, now he wants to sell that apartment. And he's going to wrap that apartment up as an NFT, so as a non-fungible token. And this token uh, will include the deed. So as soon as you buy the NFT, you automatically get the deed, the title to the property transferred to you, and you now own that apartment. Um, and there's a couple other things that throw into the NFT as well. Like they include some random art that is displayed in the actual uh, apartment building. You can have the digital art version of that as an NFT. And there's some other things you get with it. Um, but, but anyway, the main, main idea is, though, is you bid on this NFT, this token, and that gives you uh, the right to this real-world apartment. And that, that's, so, so it's actually a real-world case. And, and so you may be wondering, why do you need an NFT to buy property? Are you wondering that, Brian? I'm definitely wondering that. Oh, good. Yes. I So the answer would be there's some advantages to having uh, real estate tied up as an NFT. Um, like I mentioned, first of all, the, the deed, the official paperwork, all of this stuff is wrapped up in smart contracts tied to your token. And so you buy the token, you get all of that paperwork instantly transferred to you. No matter where you are in the world, you own it. It also becomes very easy for you to then... Uh, transfer it to someone else or for you to sell it to someone else very simply just by selling that nft just by selling that token you transfer the right to that apartment building uh, another advantage is you can you can actually fractionalize this nft you can split it up into parts and so say you want to turn this apartment into a timeshare you can split this token up into fourth you know fourths or fifths or however many fragments you want and sell it to different people. And so everyone can have, for example, a fourth of that apartment complex by owning a fourth of that token. 0.25 tokens of that apartment complex. Uh. And so then you have you have that verifiable proof on the blockchain that you own one fourth of that apartment building. And then if you decide you wanna sell it to someone else, you can sell your quarter to someone else. And anyway, so you can create timeshares and and, you know, you can you can split up ownership of property in unique ways, kind of in a, a, a digital way. And uh, in addition to this, you can also integrate it into DeFi, so people can get loans, and you can lend. You know, there's some lending options or fin- decentralized financing options that can be used to in conjunction with these NFTs to buy them, to lend them out, etc. Uh, and so it it opens up the world of real estate to uh, you know, decentralization and to being um, tied to the blockchain. That scares me a little bit because <laughs> I feel like one of the reasons why real estate doesn't have very many crashes, you know, and doesn't like it's not super volatile is because it is very illiquid, right? It's like it's very it takes a long time to like go through the paperwork, transfer over titles, things like that. And this would be like, seems very convenient, but almost like instantaneous, like everything is democratized and uh, 
now tradable. And, and so <laughs> I could see certain assets like real estate crashing very quickly, you know, and then having a lot of volatility involved because of the, the ease, the ease of being able to trade. Does that make any sense? It's a very pessimistic way of looking at it, Frank. It's, <laughs> wow, wait a wait a rain on my parade here. Okay, I mean it's really cool. I like the idea, like being able to like own a part of something, you know, that you probably wouldn't otherwise be able to. But it does have some drawbacks, I would imagine. Yeah, I, I didn't think about that. Uh, that's an interesting point. Um, but you know, I, I, I overall, I think. I think it's the future and, and, you know, being able to, you know, if I wanted to invest in, in an apartment complex or whatever, you know, I could, I could buy a fraction of a token that represented the entire apartment complex. I can then sell my portion of the apartment complex to someone else. Like it, it allows you to invest in real estate, even if you don't have enough money to buy an entire house or buy an entire apartment complex, you can still be a part of that kind of investment opportunities, which would be nice for me right now, you know, given this, the market of real estate, yeah. I would love to be able to be a part of that, but it's, it's difficult to, if you don't have, you know, a whole lot of money to get involved with that kind of investment. That's a good point. I mean, that's technically how kind of the stock market was back in the day, you know, for, for people to be involved in stocks, like you had to kind of have lots of money, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Some shares were like, I mean, look at like Berkshire Hathaway. Like, what is it like three, four hundred thousand dollars to own a share of, technically, of Berkshire Hathaway? Yeah, right. If it's not B share, right? So I mean, and then you had a lot of changes. I think in like the the tens and twenties, in the nineteen twenties, things like that. So I mean, I could see that happening. You know, democratizing kind of like what Robinhood does with uh, fractional shares. You know, mm-hmm. making sure the little guy has opportunities to. St- still take advantage of, you know, investments, even if you're not a big investor that has a, you know, a bunch of cash just ready to be invested. Yeah. I think, I, I like that. I like the, uh, I think that's a good way to look at it, you know, uh, a way to bring the little guy into this kind of investment opportunity too. And th- that's much more optimistic than, than what you had shared previously. So <laughs> that's a better way, better way to view this. Um, we'll see though. I mean, this auction has not started yet, so we don't know if anyone's actually going to buy it. Um, I think it's starting for $20,000, which doesn't seem, I don't know, too bad. It looks like a very nice apartment. Um, it's in Kiev, Ukraine has mm. a very nice, uh, crypto themed art on the wall. Like there's a whole uh, mural on one of the walls and you nice. can get the digital art version of that as part of the NFT. Um, you know, so I don't know. I, I'm sure people will, will bid on it. It feels like it's a big enough headline that people will i i bet justin's son will throw his hat in the ring you know get oh some, yeah get some publicity of, of that so we'll see there, there's another guy who uh, is actually trying to beat um this michael errington guy as to become the first person to actually sell real estate as an nft he just went on a platform called open which is like the ebay of nfts and he's trying to sell off his house as an nft and no one has bid on his so i we'll have to see i I mean i wouldn't buy a house on ebay anyways so uh maybe it's just the the wrong kind of platform that he's on but so we'll we'll see how popular it is but i i do think it's exciting to see 
you know, more real world, real use cases for NFTs, especially because lately there's just been such a bad rap for NFTs because a lot of them are on Ethereum. Ethereum currently, as we talked about, is not super energy efficient. That'll all be fixed. Uh, hopefully will be fixed uh, with the upgrade and then NFTs can really shine uh, the ones that are built on Ethereum. I also saw when something... Is, uh, go ahead. I was going to ask, when is the, the upgrade again for Ethereum? It's not officially announced. There's, there's going to be a big upgrade in July that will make Ethereum deflationary, basically burning um, some of the transaction fees and so that the sub total supply of Ethereum will most likely decrease over time. Um, that's right. That's, that's the next big upgrade. Uh, the, the upgrade that will make it more energy efficient, they think will happen uh, in the fall, but there's no, I don't think there's any hard firm date from deadline yet for that. You think that will be extremely bullish or like a sell the news type of thing? Any idea? It's, it's tough to gauge. A lot of times I feel like it's sell the news type of stuff, but for example, with this upgrade of Ethereum in July, the def deflationary one, I, I just see that as very bullish because you're creating Ethereum as to be a deflationary asset. And, um, but uh, I don't know. I, I still am overall very bullish on Ethereum, and I think these upgrades only will make it more attractive to investors. And so overall, I would think that it makes it uh, bullish overall. I guess the, the key to, you know, being it, having it be bullish versus bearish is expectations. Mm. And I bet if they're able to... And that's probably one of the reasons why they haven't given out dates, not only just because they don't truly know, but um, I bet if, if you know, you don't have an expectation of when it's at and, you know, you're thinking, oh, this might be like a year or two down the road, but then like three months later, they're like, hey, it's here. People are like, whoa, that was unexpected. And then that'd be extremely bullish. So it's mm. a good point. Maybe. Yeah. Managing those expectations. Yeah. So we'll have to see. Uh, one other thing about NFTs I want to throw out there that I saw this week um, another use case, someone is, uh, has actually tokenized their genomic data, so their genome. Uh, they got like one of those genome tests, and they tokenized it, and so they turn it into an NFT, and they can license it out to researchers. An interesting way to you know maybe collect some revenue or to keep track of where uh, your, your data is going. So anyways. That is interesting, huh? So NFTs are becoming... Uh, less of a joke and uh, the, the, you know you don't see millions of dollars anymore going towards pixelated art nfts that kind of bubble has kind of died down which is a good thing i think overall now you're just going to be selling your organs on an nft in the black market <laughs> that's, that's right <laughs> you have rights <laughs> to my left kidney headline number two the meme stocks have a new king well, Ryan, GameStop is no longer the dominant meme stock as of lately. <sighs> do, do you know who the new king is? Well, I'm guessing it's AMC. <laughs> That's right. So since the beginning of last week, AMC is up. Get this. 164%. Ooh. So since Monday of last week, so just over a week. And then if you count... Uh, like after hours today, it's up over 200%. <laughs> it's 
So it's exploding higher. And GameStop is only up about forty percent since then. Mm, that's <laughs> well, it. only forty percent. Mm, yeah, not not that, not as good. Yeah, that's child's play. But <laughs> once again, this is a short squeeze stock that Wall Wall Street bets, you know, on Reddit they love. And now it's the most talked about stock on uh, on Reddit. And for me personally, you know, forget the stock for a second. I I love the company AMC. You know, you, me, and our other friends, you know, we'd always go there when we were kids growing up. It was just a fun experience, you know, going to the theaters, and and AMC does a great job at that. And, you know, they've even made it better. You know, they had a good experience with, you know, with their nice reclining seats. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I've been to the theater, though, in probably, like, two years. Have have you been back there since since the pandemic I was going to say, I don't think I'm ever going back. Ever? I don't really care to, you know, when we were younger, I didn't mind paying $10 for a ticket, but like, <laughs> I'm not going to spend money for my family to go, you know, pay 50 bucks. I know it's, that's true. Uh, Take your family. You, yeah. You pay $50 to sit at home and spend, you know, $10. So I'm not very optimistic on the future of, of theaters in general, but sorry to hit on your AMC, Brian, but. Well, a lot of people are bullish. I don't know about the theater industry, but they are on this stock for some reason. Uh, But apparently people are itching to go back to the theaters uh, because this past weekend was the best weekend for the box office since the start of the pandemic. Oh, okay. So I'm sure that headline, you know, hearing that was one of the catalysts that skyrocketed AMC you know, stock today by, uh, I think it was 22%. But they also raised $230 million from a company called Murdoch Capital. Have you heard of this one yet? No. So Murdoch Capital, it's a private banking and consulting firm. And uh, they, you know, raised a bunch of money from them. And AMC said that they did this so that they can pay off some debt, upgrade the theaters, and then also look at acquisitions. So AMC, they're they're playing on the offense right now, which is hmm. which is exciting. But get this, Murdoch Capital already sold the stock they just acquired, <laughs> <laughs> and they said the reason they sold it was because the company is overvalued. <laughs> oh man! So the stock went up so fast. That it became overvalued to them, so they sold it and made millions of dollars. <laughs> As, I don't know the exact time frame, but it was really fast. Which to me, that sounds super sketchy. You know, you don't think they knew that the stock was massively shorted, right? And you know, they were banking on the stock skyrocketing after retail investors heard that AMC was raising more money. Mm-hmm. So this is a genius you know, plan for Murdoch Capital. You know, it's the quickest and most successful potential $40 million trade you can do, you know? And so they don't know exactly how much they made, but probably tens of millions of dollars by by doing that. Uh, but they were just basically flipping the stock. Yeah. Which means that they just dumped the bag onto whoever would take it off their hands, which is, you know apparently the uh the retail traders so this mm. is another example of some you know smart money you know big company doing something sketchy 
to boost up a stock price and then dumping it for the retail traders to be holding the bag and who knows so, if if that'll be the case this time though. So so is this so is there any short squeezing involved here or is this more just hype on the news and that kind of I, stuff? I mean I, I gotta imagine that as the stock keeps going up that it is squeezing, you know, people out of their yeah. po- short positions. Sure. But I mean it's still got a big short position on it. So I, it still mm-hmm. hasn't, you know, def- gotten all these people out of it uh yet. So I, I mean I could see it keep going up, but it's it's like that, that hot potato game, you know, it's like how long can this thing go up and can you can you keep relying on somebody paying more than what you paid for it? And it's fun and I I you know, I love doing it with GameStop. That was you know, it's it's a thrill, but it's <laughs> it's risky. <laughs> Let's yeah. just leave it at that. Yeah, R.I.P. GME. What's the next meme stock? Because AMC was around with GM, uh, GameStop, right? I, I thought yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. AMC kind of doing well oh, yeah. at the same time. Uh, is are there any other like meme stocks in the same category? Yeah, so there's been there's been a few. I mean, there's been several, but I know a lot of people track uh, like how much uh, a stock is named. Like they have like algorithms that like see how often it's mentioned and stuff okay and and so gamestop at the very beginning you know that was kind of the number one and now amc is the number one talked about on reddit Mm -hmm. um but there's been other ones like blackberry uh, nokia yeah it's all these companies that are dead (laughs) of course well yeah it's because blackberry they're the ones that are shorted because for good reason probably right? right right But uh, and then uh, I know one of them, uh, Beyond Meat, I think was one of them. Oh yeah, that's a and, that was a new one. Yeah, it's a more newer did, one. Did yeah. they just have an IPO like last year? I think a couple years ago, oh, maybe years two ago? or three years oh, ago. Okay. Um, and then another one was uh, Bed Bath and Beyond. I think hmm. that one kind of got a little bit of a short squeeze, and I think that one's still shorted heavily. So, I <sighs> people keep, you know, acting surprised that these keep happening, but. I mean, this is going to continue on as long as these people are trying to play in this space, you know, or keep shorting these stocks. It's going to keep happening, you know. So you think and this so, is the new normal? Is to have these meme so. stocks that uh, driven by Reddit and yeah, retail? I, I, I think. Well, I wouldn't say necessarily that um, it's going to be a forever thing, but I think it's going to take a lot of blowing up for short sellers to stop shorting some mm. of these. Uh, you know, smaller market cap stocks yeah, and be a lot more careful with what shorts they're going into. Um, and so I, it could take a while for the shorts to learn their lesson because they're still shorting them. You know, GameStop, AMC, all those ones. I mean, it's still, still pretty, <laughs> uh, pretty crazy. But I mean, look at Tesla, like that one, that one's like been a widow maker you know (laughs) for for shorts for a long time and and they're still shorting it you know now they've got what's his name michael burry shorting it and Mm so yeah with with the exception of tesla i do like i i i I don't know i i just hearing this again i do like the idea of you know the the little guys standing up for these bullies you know these everyone that's trying to short it they they want the downfall of these companies and then the little guy's like no we're gonna we're gonna pick up amc we're going to support AMC. We're going to support GameStop, even though they're a, a dead company and the big guys want them to die. 
we're going to support him and, and give him a pick me up. I see. I like that story. I like that narrative. But I feel like all it is is a story and a narrative. Sure. Like, <laughs> I think it's like like we've talked about in the past, where it's like how many, how much of this short squeeze is actually from retail traders and their call options and sure. stuff like that sure. versus you know big money coming in and, and manipulating this a little bit. And, yeah. So I I hope it's true. I, I I hope like that continues and and the story is actually true because that would be cool. I agree, but I have my doubts on <laughs> that that is actually happening. We, we gotta save BlackBerry, Brian. <laughs> Headline number three: DeFi is upping its game to bring on a second DeFi summer. So DeFi, decentralized finance, um, some interesting stuff that's going on in the DeFi space here. Uh, one of the m- most fascinating aspects of DeFi, to me at least, is the whole governance aspect. How do you have a decentralized finance application uh, stay decentralized? Well, you need the community, a decentralized community, to be involved with the decision-making, to make decisions on upgrades and um, are, are we going to merge with another application? Are we going to integrate with someone else? Are we going to partner? Are we going to, you know, all these different decisions that uh, have to be made on these decentralized applications. How is it done in a decentralized way? Because you don't have some CEO making the decisions, right? You don't have a governing body that that determines what's best for the shareholders. It's the people that make those yeah. decisions. And so with DeFi, they have governance tokens, which I think we've talked about a little bit at least, which allows anybody who owns those tokens to cast their vote and make their voice heard uh, on different propositions of what the community wants to do. And uh, so recently, one of the big names in DeFi is Uniswap. It's a decentralized exchange. I think I've mentioned them several times before. They have a governance token and... Uh, they uh, recently the community decided on establishing a DAO, which is a decentralized autonomous organization. Basically, uh, this kind of decentralized body that determines financial decisions and stuff. And they set up um, some different grants programs and different uh, ways to fund uh, different companies and get sponsorships. And they're starting to do marketing as well. Uh, with these kind of financial decisions that they have to make. And I think what often goes overlooked, something that I forget, is that even though this is a decentralized exchange, Uniswap still makes revenue. They still make money. And so you think about where does that money go? Because it's not going to employees. It's not going to CEOs. It has to go back to the people. And, And so Uniswap, for example made $250 million in revenue last month. And all of that money, well, well, that money by default goes back to the people running Uniswap or providing liquidity to Uniswap. And anybody can provide liquidity to Uniswap. Uh, I can I can offer up my tokens to Uniswap for them to use, to borrow, to you know uh, enact trades and stuff on Uniswap. And therefore I am contributing to Uniswap's liquidity, and therefore I get part of the, I get my share of those of that revenue. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and so um, and so what the what the the DAO, what the governance body decided for Uniswap was that they're actually going to take part of that revenue, 
and stash it away in a treasury. And then that, that's how they've set up these kind of grants programs where they can uh, fund different startups or different uh, people to, you know, different bounties um, to improve their product, to make Uniswap an even better exchange. But also what they started doing is, is sponsorships. And so there's now sponsoring with that part of that revenue. They're going to sponsor um, uh, an esports team. I think it's called Team Secret or something. Uh, it's, it's an esports team. And so they do video games and now they're sponsored by a decentralized exchange. And I can just see this becoming a thing where DeFi and these DeFi applications are going to start becoming more uh, relevant. We're going to start seeing more advertisements, more commercials. Uh, there was a proposition to have a Super Bowl ad for Uniswap. I think that was turned down. Um, but we're going to start seeing this more in like everyday life as these these decentralized applications start reaching out to grab more customers to bring into this decentralized uh, sphere of finance. Oh, they, they've also allocated, for example, uh, the Dow had decided to allocate $40 million or something worth of, of these this revenue for legal defense because they know that regulators are going to come knocking on the door of these decentralized applications. And so they have tens of millions of dollars set aside for a legal team to help defend them if need be. Um, and uh, anyway, it, it's kind of interesting to see how this decentralized community is able to govern itself, make decisions, make, uh, you know, evolve itself as well and become, you know, change with the times. It, it's, it's fascinating to me to see, you know, the growth of decentralized, the decentralization of finance. Man, all I can think about is <laughs> how much governments hate this. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I can see why so many people are worried about, like, the regulation. But, yeah, I, this, 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 uh, this idea of having, you know, some finance that's really unregulated, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, for the most part, and gaining momentum, you talking about advertising for it, like getting, anyway, it, I could see why governments are a little bit worried. But I mean, I guess my question, I know this is kind of off topic, but with the regulation kind of stuff uh, for DeFi and all that stuff, um, do you think they're, the reason why we haven't heard much from the United States about this stuff is that they're afraid of causing some kind of like revolution. If they decided to just ban it or something like that, it would cause some hectic chaos because people would be, they're so attached to it that it could cause some problems. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I, I really am confused by how the U S is, is treating crypto. Um, in, in terms of like regulations, uh, there probably is part of that. You know, they know that, um, at this point it's too late. You know, if, if they were going to regulate, it should have happened years ago. Right. But at this right. point you have so many of your citizens deeply invested in this space, how are you going to regulate it without making a lot of people and a lot of money upset about yeah. what you've done? And now you've got, now you've got like institutions coming in and mm -hmm. they've got even bigger money. And so it's going to cause even more of a ripple effect if, if there's some negative consequences. Right. Yeah. I just, I'm just thinking about how much regulation and how much, uh, the government and the fed love their control over, monetary policy and mm -hmm. uh with 
finance with the banks, right? They, like they have all of these like stress tests and all this stuff. Like you can't do that with, with a DeFi, you know, like you can't like put all, I don't know. It's just, it'll be interesting how that all pans out. For sure. And, and, and it is a little, like I totally get why the centralized governments would be leery about this. And in some, there's a part of me that is a little, uh, I don't know. I could see it ending up poorly, going bad. You know, when you have something like Uniswap, a decentralized organization that's, you know, based on these projections, making a billion plus dollars in revenue a year, and you're just saying, okay, community, decide what we're going to do with it. Right. Uh, you know, that could get out of hand. And if there's not, you know, clear guidelines on, on what's okay, you know, what if the community, majority of the community votes on some proposition that, is is not good you know i don't so i could see it has a potential of getting out of hand you just have to hope that with that much money with people that heavily invested that they'll continue to do the right thing with that kind of power that because these DAOs are going to keep getting more and more power and more and more momentum and uh edging into that centralized governance uh centralized power and authority all right, well, we'll call it a wrap right there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Fool's Gold Podcast. If you'd like more Fool's Gold content, check us out on the socials. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Fool's Gold. That's G-O-A-L-E-D. And if you didn't catch it, last week we dropped a bonus episode uh, on secret market crashes, both on the stock market as well as crypto. Uh, so make sure you check that out. But until next time, Brian, I'll talk to you later. See you later.